What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's John Deere Classic. But we have to look back for just one minute to the Rocket Mortgage where Cam Davis gets it done. And I know a lot of us were very happy for that result. The amount of messages, DMs, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to reply to all of them. If you sent me something, I will get back to you eventually. I'm digging out of my inbox, but like I, I like I tend to do, I've picked out a couple. It was hard to narrow it down to just two this week, so I've, I've got more than two here because I think that these are worth shouting out and worth talking about. So Craig sent me a message, said he turned his $50 into $2,300 by betting on Cam Davis. And I think this is what's important because he bet him early on Thursday at 50-1 to and 40-1 to after round two. What I think is really interesting about Cam Davis is there were really three legitimate spots to get Cam Davis. Uh, before the event, about 100-1, to 110-1, to I saw a bunch of those tickets. I saw one as high as 250 to one. So that was, uh, you know, pre-tournament. It was certainly a good, uh, a good place to get him. He was very valuable um, on the cut sweat show. So it would have been Friday as he was finishing his round. He was 33 to one. And I literally said this would be a great spot to get him. And then after round three, he was 16 to one heading into the final round. And I think that. You know, it's so easy to fire bets on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, but there is so much value during the week that I wanted to shout out Craig. Uh, Drew won the $100 single entry. He said, and I quote, it was the first time I saw the optimal lineup that I wasn't far off from. That's awesome. Congratulations, $5,000 there. Matt G won the smaller flop shot for $5,000. That's $15 into $5,000. Congrats. And then Matt... I don't think I recommend this. Uh, sent me a message said he had one dollar left in his <laughs> sportsbook account. Put a double on Cameron Davis and Lucas Herbert. Turned his one dollar into thirty one hundred and fifty five. Not sure I recommend that path, but appreciate the effort and appreciate the message. And then um, Zach, who I uh, he DM me, so I'm not going to say his last name. Won fifty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars on DraftKings. What I thought was interesting there was he did not have Joaquin Neiman, uh, who went to the playoff. A lot of those top-tier lineups that you saw last week did indeed have Joaquin Neiman, but his didn't. So again, just a, a, you can build a lot of different winning lineups. You can build a lot of different great lineups. They don't necessarily have to have, um, you know, at least last week, have to have Joaquin Neiman in it. So congratulations to everybody, and congratulations uh, to the community as a whole. I, I know the, the Slack channel was lighting up. It's just awesome when we get weeks like that. Um, if you want to become a member of the Rick Run Good community, go for it. Highly encourage you. Join join the membership site. Uh, all the data that you see in this in this video comes from my website. There are, you can also win a subscription. Two ways to do that. If you're here on YouTube, make sure that you have liked this video, you are subscribed to the channel, and you comment below with who you think is going to win the John Deere Classic. The other way, go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast version of this show, say something nice, and leave me your Twitter handle so I can get in touch with you. Uh, I will link the podcast version in the description. Two winners from last week, Richard Carroll and N8D32. Those are the winners from last week. I've already reached out to you to get you set up with your subscription to rickrungood.com. What a week. Lots of live chats this week. Again, 
3 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday. That's your standard live chat, all things John Deere Classic. Your 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time Power Hour, Jock Market Power Hour, all things Stock Market, DFS. A lot of new people playing that, getting a lot of messages about that as well. And then finally, the Cut Sweat Show. That's going to be on Friday at a time to be determined later. Uh, Probably... Three or four Eastern, somewhere in there, I will tweet it out. You should go and uh, make sure you are subscribed for the notification when that goes live so that you know when the Cut Sweat Show goes live. Lots of valuable information there. All right, let's jump into it. This week's John Deere Classic. John Deere Classic TPC Deer Run has played host to this event every single year since 2000, I believe. It's been a long time. Uh, we did not have this event last year, so we are coming now to the end of events that we didn't have last year. I think the John Deere Classic and then the Open Championship, I think, are the last two that we are that, that we missed out on. So Dylan Fratelli, still technically your defending champion, and if you uh, like birdies, you know, very much like last week, uh, you're going to need to make a lot of them here at TPC Deer Run. It is a par 71. It's on that full bent grass greens. Last year or last week, we had the hybrid, and it plays about 7,000 yards. The thing that you'll probably notice the most about this course is the elevation changes. Yeah, there's some there's some elevation changes here, which I'll talk about more in just one second. But if we run through the key stats. If you're new, if you're have uh, never seen this before, what you're looking at is a regression model that looks at every single PGA Tour stat for the last 12 years, compares it to the results and tells you what type of golfers had the most success. The the standalone stat was driving accuracy. Uh there are only six other courses on the PGA Tour in which driving accuracy was more closely aligned with success. There's a big gap between accuracy and putting. Uh, putting ranks 27th, which means there's 26 courses in which putting was more important, which puts it about middle of the road. But accuracy off the tee was most important. And I think this is interesting. You know, we have seen uh, Zach Johnson have a lot of success here. Steve Stricker have a lot of success here. Uh, Bryson bef- won this event before he started hitting it miles further than everybody else on the PGA Tour. He won it in 17 or 18. The... This is kind of an interesting idea, and it kind of, um, we might see this on Tuesday during the match as well. If you're not aware, there's another one of those matches on Tuesday. Bryson and Aaron Rodgers are going to play Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady. And the course they're going to play in Big Sky has a ton of elevation changes. And they're not as drastic here in, in uh, at TPC Deer Run, but what you actually find is guys that hit it really hard. Um tend to have a little bit more trouble with elevation changes because they're hitting it at such a speed that if your calculations are 1% off, 2% off, 10% off, 15% off, it's a bigger miss, okay? So it's it's kind of an interesting concept to wrap your brain around where, you know, um, if you hit it 10 yards further and you, you know, you hit a, a, a wet, um, let's call it an eight iron, let's call it a nine iron, let's call it a pitching wedge, 150 yards, and you're 10% off, that's 15 yards, right? But if you only hit that 120 yards, you're only 12 yards off. Three yards might make a big difference, but that's the concept, right? So in theory, most guys who are accurate on the PGA Tour don't hit it as far. So I wonder if the combination of being able to play out of fairway, which is important. It's not an overly long course. It's 7,100 yards, par 71. And the elevation changes, making it a little bit easier to calculate, is why we have seen more accurate players 
find success here. It's a really interesting concept. I'd love to deep dive it later in the week, but that's, that is my theory on why accurate players off the tee have had such good success at this event. And that's really the one stat that stands alone. If we want to look quickly at the last 24 rounds of this field of the guys who have hit the most fairways, the names are going to be <laughs> quite interesting, right? They're usually going to be cheaper guys. Ryan Armour, Ches Reavy, Brian Stewart, Kramer Hickok, JJ Spawn. And you'll notice, uh, you know, not a lot of them are are very long hitters. That That's kind of the idea. It's, it's hard to find guys that hit it both far and accurately. So of those five that I just mentioned, the one that hits it the furthest is Cameron, or excuse me, Kramer Hickok. I've got Cameron Davis on the mind. Kramer Hickok, he's 7,700. We know he went to that playoff a couple of weeks ago. Might be a little bit of an interesting play. So we'll we'll create a custom model at the end of the video, but I think this is this makes sense for the type of player that we are going to expect um, to have success this week. All right, the cheat sheet. Let's be real. It's a weak field. It's the week before a major. It's the week before a major on another continent. It is tough. Tough to get a, a stout field here, but these are the weeks that... The people who can reset their brain to say, oh my gosh, how could I possibly pay $9,500 for Kevin Na? I just paid $7,500 for him a couple of weeks ago. Reset your brain. Understand you still have to make a lineup. Also, uh, those of us who are more familiar with more golfers, I think have a pretty significant edge here. So four golfers over $10,000. Daniel Berger, Sung J.M., Brian Harmon, Cam Davis. I'm not. I'm not particularly thrilled about any of those. As much as I want to go back to Cam Davis, I think we can pass on the $10,100 price tag. I think that, um, you know, the the victory last week uh, is certainly impressive. We'll see you down the road, Cam. You're going to have plenty of more times in contention. I don't think this necessarily needs to be the week that you pay for $10,100. Is Brian Harmon, or excuse me, is Daniel Berger significantly better than Sung J.M. and Brian Harmon? I think he's clearly better, but I'm not sure how significant that is. Um, you know, the the most expensive golfer, I, I like to be kind of at least head and shoulders or or a very good play. I love Daniel Berger. I'm I just don't think he's that much better than Sung JM or Brian Harmon, which probably leaves me in this range here. So Brian Harmon, um, if you haven't been paying attention, it's been phenomenal. You know, uh, fifth at Travelers, top 20 at the U.S. Open, and eighth at the Charles Schwab. Those are his last three starts. He's $10,400. If we go over to his um, his player profile page here, you can start to see the things that make him successful. He's a very, very good putter, and he's very accurate off the tee. Well, aren't those kind of what we're looking for? Aren't we looking for somebody to get hot with the putter? Aren't we looking for somebody to hit a lot of fairways to, to kind of wedge this thing to death a la Steve Stricker, a la Zach Johnson? Isn't that what we're looking for? Presumably, yes, that is exactly what we're looking for. When you compare that to maybe a Sung J.M. who we're starting, I feel like, to see Sung Jay turn into the version that we saw in 2020. So if we go down a little bit here, um, you know, from the end of 2020, from the tour championship to essentially the start of 2021, he was a great ball striker. That's what we saw. That's where we found a lot of success. He has lost that approach game for essentially this entire year, but now we have three consecutive events that he has gained strokes on approach. He has not done that since the end of 2020. So maybe we are seeing something turn the tide here for Sung J.M. So I'm likely to live 
with these two guys. Sung JM at 10,700, Brian Harmon at 10,400. We can nitpick. We can talk about it on Wednesday when Brian Harmon's ownership is 25% and Sung JM's is 15 or something like that. We'll see how it shakes out over the course of the week, but I'm probably going to live with those two. Live to fight another day with Daniel Berger. Live to fight another day with Cam Davis. Kind of a couple interesting things going on here in the 9K range. First of all, Seamus Power is now $9,000 and well-deserved. If you have been tracking, if you have been following along, he has been awesome. And four consecutive top 20 finishes, including an eighth last week. His ball striking has been excellent. Um, I don't think I even mind paying $9,000 this week. I, you know, when you start to look at the guys that are motivated, the guys that are playing well, um, the, the the list gets pretty small here. Would you prefer him over Patton Kazire? I think... Almost certainly, right? Because Ira is a much more volatile type golfer, but I think almost certainly you'd prefer Seamus Power. So I have no problem paying the $9,000 here. Um, I also don't have the problem. If you wanted to start your lineups with Kevin Streelman, I don't think I could even argue that. You know, four out of his last five have been inside the top 15. The last time he played this event, he finished seventh. We're going to look at his his advanced metrics here. And generally speaking for a guy like Kevin Streelman, he is reliant on the good things, which is the ball striking. Now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, eleven consecutive events he has gained strokes ball striking. Very, very good sign. And the putter starting to turn around. Even the miscut at the Travelers, he was a zero putter. That is now four out of the last five weeks. He has gained strokes with the thing that has normally derailed him. So I do not mind Streelman here at all. I mean, you know, he thrives at places like, now not this year, but places like Travelers and Charles Schwab and these kind of weaker field events where most people forget that he exists. Kevin Streelman at 9,700. If you wanted to fade the entire top, start there. Don't mind it. And then the other name, uh, you know, Aaron Wise, I think, is, is someone who we've been starting to track the last couple of weeks and maybe I started a hair too late on Aaron wise, but what he's doing right now is really impressive in the advanced metrics off the tee. He's been phenomenal on approach. He's been phenomenal around the green has even been strong enough. He has just been absolutely wretched with the putter. Uh, uh, he finished 66th at travelers losing five strokes putting. Let me tell you, if you, if you lose five strokes putting, you should have probably missed the cut. I guess we can go round by round on Aaron wise and see what, See what he did for the first two rounds and or see if he kind of gave this away here. Yeah, okay. This isn't as this isn't as bad. So he lost 2.8 on Thursday and then actually gained both Thursday uh, both Friday and Saturday and then lost 4.6 on on Sunday at the Traveler. So that's actually not even as bad as um as it looks. Just two really awful rounds, but it's not I'd almost be more concerned if he lost a stroke and a half putting each and every day that seems like there's no opportunity for it to get better. So um, those are the three guys that I would probably focus on here. Streelman, Wise, Power. I imagine Henley will be popular. Finished runner-up last year, a couple of top 20s, and they've been a bit, um, you know, public top 20s coming in. Remember, he had a, held a 54-hole lead at the U.S. Open. Travelers, he was in contention again on Sunday as well, or heading into Sunday as well. So I, I, I ha- if I have to guess, I think Henley's going to be the popular one here, but we'll keep an eye on that for the rest of the week. And we can talk about it on the Wednesday live chat. 
This $8,000 range, kind of interesting. Kazire, I mentioned, uh, super boomer bust, right? You know, his last six starts, he has three missed cuts, two-thirds, and a 25th, which included him shooting an unbelievable round on Sunday last week at the Rocket Mortgage. So that's just a volatile GPP play if you're looking for a dart, if you're looking to enhance your volatility. Mav McNeely, I find uh, at least somewhat interesting. You know, three consecutive top 30s. He's he's playing well enough. I don't mind this at all. Probably going to avoid... Zach Johnson, just because this is essentially the Zach Johnson open. He's played fine. I don't think he's played great coming into this. Um, if this was any other course, he would be 7,500, not 8,500. I just think a lot of people are going to opt in that direction. And then I think I will probably bid adieu to Hank Lebiota here, who, uh, to his credit, has been phenomenal. Last week, I said, let's give it one more go around because that that course at, at Detroit – uh, was a really good fit for him. Finished finished fourth. If we look up his his profile here, there's a couple of things that I'm a, a hair concerned about. Uh, one, I think his ownership is going to be just continually flying up the charts. He is not as accurate off the tee as I would like. In fact, he's not a very good driver at all. He is uh, not long. He's 123rd on tour, and he's not accurate. He's 112th, which is a little bit concerning. And you see, you know, the ownership now in two of the last three weeks has been nearly 10%. It's been in the nines. And I think this week with a weak field, another top five finish, I think we're trending in that direction, trending towards getting him in the 11, 12, 13% range. I think I will pass. I will thank him for all of the gains that we've had over the past couple of weeks, but I will I will move on to other guys uh, in this range. The sneaky one here is Lucas Glover. Let's Let's look at this because this is... Again, this is early on a Monday. Pricing just came out. I don't know what the industry is going to do with Glover here, but there's a case to be made that he's being pretty significantly undervalued. So he is 8,600, finished 41st at the Rocket Mortgage, gained strokes putting. That's encouraging. The, The four events in a row where he has gained a total of, let's call it seven ish strokes putting is very, very good. Uh, considering what he had done for the vast majority of his career, which is lose multiple strokes over the course of four days. I am concerned about what is normally the strength of his game. You know, Tita Green, we're not seeing as good of play there, but an eighth place finish at the Charles Schwab, 37th at the Memorial. These aren't great finishes, but he's made three of his last four cuts. You know, missed the cut at the Palmetto Championship. That was a little bit disappointing. That kind of burned a lot of people here, but I just feel as if his longer term, and if we do this, I bet I haven't done this yet, so I might this might blow up in my face, but if we do since the start of 2021, I imagine he's probably one of the better tee to green players in this field. Is he not? Uh, yeah, he's okay right here. He is probably about 18th, 20th, something like that. So I just think he's being overlooked here for a guy that we would normally be excited about. That's a guy I'm going to have to track over the course of the week, see where he winds up, but, uh, I'll be keeping a close eye on it. Certainly while I'm here in the sevens, um, why don't we just do this? Why don't we just do, I want to close this range up a little bit. Let's say since April 1st, so I can get, you know, kind of the last, and I, I could go to a lot of different places for this, but um, let's do T to green in this field. No, let's just do strokes gain total in this field from April 1st and find some 7K guys. Uh, the first one is Steve Stricker. We only have four rounds on him, but his four measured rounds were a 44th at the PGA Championship. And of course, we know this is an event that he has absolutely dominated at 
I'm probably not that excited about it. Pat Perez is next. I'm glad he popped up here. He's doing it with the short game, which is a little bit concerning. But when you start to put together two top 15s in a uh, in, his, in your last three, a top 10 at the Palmetto, a 14th place finish last week. It's relying on the putter. I'm not as excited, but it is worth a nod. If you could put him together with Kyle Stanley, who is the complete opposite, the great ball striker and the terrible putter, these guys would make a really amazing team. He is 7,900. He's the third best player in the $7,000 range. Here's what I would do. Satoshi Kodaira just burned everyone last week. I think we go back to him. I think we go right back to him here. So I was lucky enough to avoid the Kadira disaster last week in which he um, he really only played si- uh, about six holes pretty poorly. His final six on Friday, he was, I believe, six under after, was it after round one? Or it was as he made the turn on Friday. And then he had a couple of really ugly bogeys. And... It's concerning, but here's here's what I say. A guy that has gained strokes off the tee in six of his last eight and been close to a zero in the two that he lost. A guy that had been, until the last two events, gaining strokes on approach pretty consistently. And a guy that has definitely figured out the putter. We now have five consecutive events that he has gained over two strokes putting. And in four of them, he has gained over four. For someone who is normally as terrible on the greens as Kadaira. That's important. And if you look at his profile, you're going to see something that I think plays well here at TPC Deer Run, and it is the accuracy. Tenth on tour, which means in this field he might be number one. I mean, he's probably very close to that. So if we're talking about accuracy off the tee, talking about putting, those are his two best attributes. Burned a lot of people last week. He was, I guess he didn't burn a lot of people. He was 5% owned. But I I think we go back to Kadira this week. I think we go back to Mito Pereira this week. You know, he missed the cut, missed the cut in his first per, his first PGA Tour event last week. I'm willing to cut him some slack for that, aren't you? Pretty, that's not much of an ask. And then Kramer Hickok again. I, I think the story in the seven K is guys that we go back to. Uh, made the cut last week after a very, uh, I don't want to call it devastating, and you know, an emotionally expensive eight hole playoff at the Travelers. For him to even make the cut last week. I'm impressed. So now we have three out of his last four have been impressive. He is accurate off the tee, seemingly playing well with a lot more confidence. I think we go back there. I think there's a lot of guys in the 7K range that are certainly viable. Um, You know, Ches Reeve fits the mold of those accurate drivers. EVR just withdrew, so I will remove him. But Eric Van Ruin is out of this event. And then, um, you know, Scott Stallings. Scott Stallings is 7,400. Scott Stallings popped up. He finished 25th last week. I think he was 10th in my model that I ran on the DFS preview. Look at his last uh, four trips to TPC Deer Run. Three of them have been 18th or better. 25th last week, including a really good round, I think, on Saturday or Sunday. They're all running together at this point. But this is a pretty plentiful $7,000 range. I think there are uh, uh, viable options throughout. Even if we continue to scroll down here, what do we have? Um, yeah, maybe the bottom of the 7K isn't as good. Brandon Hagee's here. He finished sixth last week, but that that is uh, that feels more like an anomaly than, than not. Trying to see who else might fit. Okay, Kadira seven thousand. That's that's the bottom of the seven K range. Yeah, that's that's certainly a place where I think I'm headed to. 
The 6K range is pretty ugly. I don't mind Adam Shank. He's 6,900. Made another cut last week. Finished sixth here the last time this event was held. Andrew Landry. I tried to find a reason to get to Andrew Landry because two of his last three trips have been top eight finishes, and he is the accurate driver, right? I mean, this we really are seeing a pretty clear line, right? I mean, the data showed this as well. Accurate drivers of the golf ball seem to have a lot of good success here. Now, unfortunately for Landry, the game's in shambles. You know, he's lost strokes and a lot of them on approach in his last four. He's only gained once dating back to, he's only gained once on approach this calendar year. It's just really ugly. I was trying to find a reason to get there outside of just the absolute dart throw. That is the fact that he's gained, that he's got a couple of good finishes here in his, in the last couple of starts, but I'm not sure I could get there. That would be an absolute, an absolute dart throw. Adam Long is kind of interesting. He's 6,500. He's missed his last two cuts, but his two starts before that were top 25s. He is kind of a popper, right? I mean, he is, he is a volatile guy who's won on the PGA tour. And if we look at his profile here, again, the two things he does well are the two things that play well at deer run putts. Well, 79th on tour, which probably makes him half of that in this field, if, if not better, maybe 25th or 35th or something like that. And he's 30th on tour and driving accuracy, which means he's probably top 10 in this field or top 15 in this field. So um, I would give that a good, hard, long look. Consider it if I want someone who is a PGA Tour winner, who has upside, who is uh, certainly, has, he certainly has missed cut equity, but I think he has top 10 equity from the $6,500 range. I, I think that's pretty good. The There are some guys who have like really good course history here. You know, Johnson Wagner, four, four out of his last five, he's made the cut. Three of those are top 16s. Two of them are top fives. You have to weigh how long ago those were with his recent form. I'm not nearly as excited. And we'll see if there's a guy. Is there a real strong value play? We didn't have one last week, but we've had it the, the, the two weeks before that. And the answer is probably not. I'm not seeing the really mispriced guy. Could you are uh, Kevin Tway? I don't think, no, I don't think it's Kevin Tway. I don't think we have it this week. I don't think it exists. Let me just, before I... Yeah, I don't think so. So I think 6,500, Adam Long, probably the lowest I'm willing to, you know, make a significant investment in. Anything lower than that are, are certainly uh, dart throws. Let's make a model. All right. This model actually did really well last week. Um, Coke Rack was up there. Neiman, I think, was in the top three. Uh, Scott Stallings, Patton Kazire, I think, was in there. It did pretty good. So let's do this. Let's do last 24 rounds. I like that. It's what has been working really well. We are going to put a pretty significant emphasis on accuracy. Let's do, because well, not only is it a top seven stat, but it, there's a big gap. So I think we have to be pretty aggressive here and say 30. Now, if you follow along, you know I don't normally do that. Um, and we also saw putting. So let's do 20 on putting. And then we got it. We got to get some approach. We got to get some ball striking in here. Let's do 20 on ball striking. Let's do... It's par 71, so we could do par 4 scoring. I have 30 weights left. I want to do probably 15 on par 4 scoring and 15 on birdie or better. And let's see what this cranks out. 
Whoops. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Satoshi Kodaira is my number one ranked golfer. Oh, God. Oh, man. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? I mean, I know he's very accurate. I know he's been putting. I mean, his last 24 rounds putting have been bonkers. Oh, no. Doc Redman's number two. That's interesting. That is not a name. I love Doc, but I'm not sure I would have gotten there on Doc. Why are we on Doc? Because of the approach stuff. The putting's been a lot better. I didn't emphasize off the tee, but I did emphasize accuracy. Interesting. Lebiota or Lebiota three, Berger four, Vaughn Taylor five, Pat Perez six. Okay, Merritt seven, Armor eight, Seifert nine, Sheamus ten, and one more. You go to Jason or you go to uh, Kramer Hickok. Very very interesting. So, Kadira. Okay, I get it. Would he would he have been my number one ranked golfer? I don't know, but I get it. Redman, I think I understand. Lebiota might be a, just an ownership thing. So here's what I need to do. I need to do a deeper dive on Vaughn Taylor. I think I'm okay with Pat Perez being in there, considering what I put in. I need to do a deeper dive on Ryan Armour. Uh, there's the accuracy and the putting, right? Or at least the effort to putt. Seifert. Why did he show up here? The putter. A little bit of the accuracy, a little bit of the approach play. Didn't emphasize anything around the green. Didn't emphasize off the tee, which makes sense. Okay. And then Seamus, I'm okay with. So I got a little bit of homework to do. I knew we were going to see some weird names, but I was not expecting to get smacked with Satoshi Kodaira uh, right out of the gate here for my number one golfer for the John Deere Classic. But hey, John Deere Classic, week before a major championship. Maybe he goes out, wins the golf tournament. Who knows? I think that'll do it. Uh Great week of golf. Next week's going to be phenomenal. We're going to try to carry it over. I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked for everybody with the Cam Davis, all the success. I'm thrilled. Also, somebody, I had a couple people say, can I send you a tip? While that is appreciated, absolutely not. Uh, I just... I give you an opportunity to look at the data. You have to make your own decisions. You shouldn't hand off any of your winnings to anybody else. And if you're really fearing, feeling generous, uh, you know, go donate it to a cause that that is important to you. Go buy somebody lunch. You don't need to send it to me. Thank you, but no thank you. Otherwise, I will see you guys over the course of the rest of the week. Uh, tweet me, at Rick Rungood. Leave a comment below, and I'll talk to you guys soon.